Welcome to episode seven of Mental Health by TalkLink. Here's what's coming up. And a great saying that in Gestalt is awareness brings choice. So when I'm aware that I diminish myself whenever I'm around powerful people, then I can choose to do something different. Hey, I'm Ruan. Today's episode is part two of a two-part segment with Jane Faulkner. In the first, she explains how she uses horses in a therapy. And in this episode, she talks about the actual therapy part of things, in this case, Gestalt therapy. The purpose of this podcast is to have open chats with these professionals and is not designed to be used as individualized therapy. Please take it as general information only and visit the show notes for personalized support if you need it. Today's podcast is brought to you by TalkLink. TalkLink is an online directory connecting young Australians with the right mental health practitioner. If you'd like to ask Jane a question, you can do so anonymously at talklink.com.au forward slash podcast. We'll do our best to answer it in a follow-up Q&A session. Okay, let's dive in. You mentioned gestalt therapy. Yeah. Uh, I know this is a bit of a tangent, but I'm really curious. Can you tell us what is gestalt therapy? Yeah, sure. So gestalt therapy um, was developed by a guy called Fritz Perls in the 60s. Um, and it was seen as really quite controversial. Um, but, and so he worked with um, the early developers of psychology, really, Jung and Freud, and then split off to create Gestalt therapy. And I describe Gestalt therapy as very much about being in the here and now and mm-hmm. working with the phenomenology or whatever's happening in the moment. And this is where it's a great, blend with horses because it's really working with oh look the horse has just shown up what's that like for you Um, in gestalt we definitely explore your contact styles and contact means how you form connections with others or break connections with others so we kind of support the client to get really curious about that whether they um, project whether they uh, retroflect which means turning in on themselves what they'd rather do to the other so it's very relational so it's all about authentic relationship so as a gestalt therapist we very much try to um, acknowledge that there is a power structure that as a therapist I have power but we try to um, co-create as balanced and equal a relationship as we can we -hmm. also let the client know that this is a relationship that we are co-creating together you know, so we're kind of negotiating, um, moving forward in a healing process together. It's dialogical, so it's very much built on dialogue and built on curiosity. And a massive part of Gestalt therapy is, is about supporting the client to become more aware of who they are and what they do. And a mm-hmm. great saying that in Gestalt is awareness brings choice. So when I'm aware that I diminish myself whenever I'm around powerful people, then I can choose to do something different. If I'm not aware that I do that, then I don't have any choice to do do it differently. So to use the example of earlier where someone who's anxious is repelling the horse, um, you would use gestalt therapy to identify that, huh, are you aware that the horse walked away from you? Yes. That may be because the horse is sensing you're in a state that it's not drawn to. 
could you think about what that state might be? So, so I guess for me as a gestalt therapist, I would just give the first piece. Oh, look, Jarvis walked away from you. What, what's, what happens? What's that like for you? So I mm -hmm. wouldn't give any more, it'd be more like, what's that like for you? And some people might be, it's actually, it's a relief. I can feel myself breathe again. And other people might go, mm. oh, I feel really sad because I really wanted him to like me. Mm -hmm. and, and then we work on that piece. Like, so if it was the first one, oh, it's a relief. I can breathe again. Then, then I might be got like, gosh, is that familiar? Is that, do you experience that in your life with other people? And they might say, yeah, all the time, all the time I let people push into my boundaries and I'm, I'm in relationship without breathing or without really relaxing into myself. And so then we might work with that with the horse. Well, can you um, get into a state where you feel calm and you're breathing and you're relaxed? As the horse gets closer, when that changes, and would it be okay mm -hmm. to ask the horse to stop there and give yourself time to breathe and regulate again and get curious about what's happening, what, what, your, what thoughts are happening or beliefs as the horse comes closer? Awareness brings choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just such a good example because you can just imagine someone standing there and a horse walking up to them. It's a big animal. It's a heavy animal. It could Definitely. be a dangerous animal. Definitely. So it's, it's evoking potentially a whole spectrum of emotions that it might be pretty hard to do when you're sitting on a couch. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And I, I'm. That's a great point. And and for me, that's where, as a therapist, we have to be very sensitive, you know. And not. It's not about. Because um, I think sometimes the horse gets used to bring up big emotions, and it's not about mm. that. It's it's more. Um, most of us have wounding around relationships. And we have lost touch with how to be authentically in our body. So for me, equine therapy done well is very much around how can you stay home in your authentic self as this horse moves towards you. And that's where, like I was saying before, with people with PTSD and complex PTSD will take a long time because I don't want them mm. to... Um, be pushed into a freeze or pushed into a feeling of being hypervigilant because uh -huh. a horse is a big, powerful being. And I don't want them to have to reenact what happened for them um, in a traumatic episode before, a traumatic time before. So if they uh -huh. have always been dominated by people, I don't want them to have to appease so the horse can dominate them again. I want them uh -huh. to notice like oh god as he's coming closer i can feel myself um get small i can feel my chest starting to want to close in and it's like okay can you um notice that and either we ask the horse to stop or let's step back out of here until mm. you can feel like you come back to your adult self and you can kind of stand solid in yourself today not get lost or pulled back to a time where you had to get small to stay safe. Mm. So I think that's where um, I'm quite particular about how people get trained in this um, way of working with horses, because I think it can 
bring stuff very quickly and that's not always helpful for a client you know it's, it's with clients we want to definitely explore things but in ways that are tolerable where the rational brain is still online so that mm. people can make sense and meaning and change can happen so it needs to be in a controlled way yeah yeah in a controlled in a mindful way i prefer yeah so, so it needs to be yeah. mindful and where the yeah, the therapist is very attuned to the horse and to the client and to themselves and the nervous systems. You know, they're very yeah. attuned to the client being um, in their window of tolerance, you know, attuned to the client is present with me here now. And mm. um, they're able to hear what I'm saying. They're able to understand what I'm saying. And they're able to still be in that ventral vagal, you know, that social um where they're able to socially engage with me. And my job as a therapist is to support them to stay in that place. So, and that's where the resourcing comes in. So if I notice them start to hold their breath or get very still or start to look around a lot or um, become mm. a little bit incongruent, that's my job to come in and say, hey, what's going on? would it be okay to take a step back or would it be okay to take a look around and just reorient to where we are or take a few breaths depending on what supported the client? Mm. Yeah. Do you think that um, equine assisted therapy is naturally or well aligned to gestalt therapy or do you think that's just your particular version of it? I think it's definitely my particular version. So I think you can definitely apply different, yeah. modalities to it um i think it with gestalt because gestalt is very relational it is um really drawing upon the phenomenology of what's happening in the moment and gestalt is very much as a therapist about being curious and open mm. and that all goes very well with working with the horses so in the training I do, it's a diploma of counselling that specialises in equine-assisted therapy. So with the students, we do explore um, cognitive behavioural therapy, solution-focused therapy, narrative mm. therapy, um, different parts work. So you can definitely apply other modalities to working with the horses. I think it's just really important to kind of um, honour that it is a very relational way of doing therapy with another being that doesn't have the same language as us mm. and so as a therapist it's very much um, important to really get to know horses horse psychology horses behavior so that as much as you're reading the client and um, supporting their nervous system you're doing the same for the horse and you're not pushing the horse beyond what they can tolerate either so you're actually a certified riding instructor and a trail guide as well i am <laughs> yes so you've clearly got yeah. the the experience from just purely a horse perspective on how to manage horses and how to keep people safe around them yeah and i think that's important and i i, I love um I love sharing that with clients as well. Like I find clients do get really curious about the horses and as their relationship with the horses builds, mm. they want to 
know the best way to be around a horse they start to they, they go from arriving on the first day going okay let me get this horse and let me pat the horse and let me do stuff to the horse to oh wow I want to get to know this horse and I want to um I don't want to push this horse in areas he doesn't want to be pushed so they they really start to learn the relationship skills which is what we need with each other as well we need to be curious about what what's she comfortable with and what she not and how can I honor my own needs and without forcing them onto somebody else so yeah it, it is lovely I find us teenagers and kids love learning how to care for horses yeah. so that's definitely a big part that comes in as well but it's learning how to care for the horse whilst keeping that connection. Yeah, yeah. And I say that because, um, you know, sometimes you can mindlessly brush a horse or, or a dog and without a connection. I think it's, the connection's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And that connection uh, is quite transferable. And so many of the skills around the engagement of humans to horses are transferable back from humans to horses to humans to humans, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what's really rewarding to see. Um, I see that especially with different kids and teenagers as they come over time because I see them relate to their oh, mum yeah. and dad. And, and I just see how that capacity for um, authentic relationship deepens and develops, mm. which is beautiful. It's very rewarding. And even how their connection with me changes, how their capacity to be authentic and to show up and be curious in relationship with me, how that develops over time. Yeah, right. So if someone is a mental health professional and they want to, they've listened to this conversation and they think, oh my gosh, this sounds like my dream sort of um, uh, career path. What's the next yeah. step professionally for them to do to, to reach that point? Mm -hmm. So for me, I would tell them to go and try this therapy themselves. So go and um, be a client mm -hmm. and see a few different practitioners because there's very different ways of providing equine-assisted therapy. And you want to find the way that kind of sits best with you and um, the mental health training you've already done and the kind of person you are. So I would say start there. I would say um, if you don't already have horse contact to go and start learning about horses. So to um, go and do natural horsemanship clinics or um, volunteer for the riding for the disabled or do something where you're actually really in contact with horses and having to kind of handle them and work with them and care for them. Mm. I would say start there. It is an amazing, I feel very grateful um, for my job, but there's, it's, it's quite a steep learning curve, <laughs> mm. you know, for some, for anybody that's done mental health training, but hasn't got the experience with horses. And if they do have the experience with horses, then it's learning how to kind of um, be more relational with the horse. So how can I get more curious about this individual horse? And um, Jane, if anyone wanted to reach you, they can find you the Equine yep. Assisted Therapy Australia website. Yeah, yeah. And okay. just email and that's admin at E-A-T-A. -A. 
www.thepodcast.net.au. Okay, well, that's it for today, and that brings us to the end of part two of our conversation with Jane Faulkner. Coming up next... Yep, it messes with your hormones, the dynamic between your partner, friends, and family, and it turns out, your mind. We speak with Julie Bornenkoff, the CEO of Perinatal Depression and Anxiety Australia. Julie gives us some amazing insights into what you may have to expect if you're expecting and how to prepare mentally or support someone who's going through it, particularly right now in this global pandemic. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and a comment. We read every single one and it just gives us a huge boost to keep going. It's hard to describe how amazing it is to see feedback coming in. Your reviews and comments also make these conversations more discoverable by the listeners. Thanks so much.